You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Welcome to the first Sunday of June and the, uh, this new season. Welcome to the first Sunday of June and the last Sunday of our A Life That Wins series. If you have your Bibles this morning, you go open to Joshua chapter 6 where we're going to be taking a look. And uh, six weeks ago, we launched this challenge that we've called the One Two Three Challenge. And with this challenge, it was, uh, we were encouraged to make one life-changing decision to have two meaningful conversations with someone who does not know Jesus, and then to participate, as we did last week, into three days of outreach, and uh, just had a, a great time as uh, we, we had our uh, pre-service tailgate party. Uh, Joe Jackson, of course, was with us in our movie night on Friday night, but just had a great weekend of connecting and, and uh, being able to, to connect with one another, with new friends, and uh, just look forward to those things developing and growing in our lives. And there are going to be moments like that that we want to continue to be involved in. And as you uh, gave in your offering this morning, uh, just uh, another point of reference to let you know what that goes towards, what it's helping, is we're putting together plans for an outreach at the fair, as we've been doing for the last three years now. And uh, we're looking to be at the county fair again, Fayette County Fair. And uh, this year, if all goes as planned, uh, we're looking to put up a miniature golf, uh, a mini golf course that folks will be able to participate in, uh, that will be a free family activity, but all for the purpose of sharing Jesus, of being able to introduce them, not only to church, but to uh, encourage them uh, to, uh, uh, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, how do you do that through a golf course? Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit can use anything then we make ourselves available. So as you, maybe as you leave or check it out, they're already working on some of the pieces. It was a, a donation that was kindly given to us by a, 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 a gentleman in the area and uh, just a, a great gift uh, to us, to this church. But there's some pieces being worked on down in parking lot B that you can check out. Maybe as, uh, before you leave, drive down there, take a look. But we're going to be putting together some teams and, and uh, opportunities this summer to be involved in uh, outreach and in ministry, all for the purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ in everything and in every way and in all that we do. And so thank you for your giving, being a part, because our hope is that a life that wins is all built on this premise that a life that wins, wins others. That when we live a life that is winning, when we live a life that is, that is, that is succeeding, not in the world's standards, but according to God's ways and to his purpose, when we are succeeding in the ways of God, we cannot help but become influential in the world that's around us. God has designed and called us to be an influence in the world, and this, uh, this has been our desire, that when we live or when we live a life that wins, we become influential, and it's the result of an intentional living. When we live intentional. You know, in order for us to become intentional, it all starts with a decision. Isn't that right? And when you become intentional to do something, it starts with a decision. But it doesn't end with a decision. You make a decision that you're going to step into something. You're going to move from where you've been and walk into something of purpose. That you're making a decision. How many know that in order for us to overcome uh, uh, burden and, and heaviness or, or depression, it starts with a decision. We've got to make a decision that we're not going to stay in what has been our past. If we're going to make a, uh, make a commitment that we're going to walk out of, walk into healthy relationships 
relationships. It begins with the decision that you're going to become intentional to do what is in your power and in your ability to do. There are some things that are not in our power. There are some things that are not, uh, not in our, our, our uh, uh, area of making decisions about it. It affects other people. But where we can make a decision, where it is in our power, the Bible says this in Peter. It says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What is he saying there? He's saying, as much as it depends on you, the part that is your responsibility, you've got to take that responsibility. But unfortunately, we excuse responsibility because we consider what other people are not doing. And therefore, because they're not doing this, I'm not going to respond in this way either. But when we know when it becomes our power, when it, everything, as much as it has to do with me, that we become intentional. That intentional living all starts with the decision. But it doesn't end with the decision. It starts with the decision. A little boy asked his dad, he, he had one of those questions for dad. He said, dad, if there, was a, there were three frogs sitting on a limb that was, that was over a pool, and if one frog decided to jump in the pool, how many frogs would be left on the limb? Dad looked at his boy and he said, two. The boy looked at dad and he said, no, there were three frogs on the limb. One decided to jump into the pool. How many would be left on the limb? The dad said, oh, None, because one made the decision they would all follow and they'd all jump in the pool. Little boy said, no, three, three frogs are sitting on a limb and one made the decision to jump in the pool. How many frogs would still be on the limb? Dad said, I have no idea what you're talking about. The little boy looked at dad and he said, he said, dad, there'd still be three because all they ever did was make a decision. You realize that all you can do is make a decision, but you make a decision, you're still left at the same place you are. In order to move through and to walk into that change, you can make a decision for something to change in your life, but the decision by itself is not going to be enough. In fact, I believe it's important to point out that the Bible told us to go into all the world and to make disciples. Now, in, 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 as preachers, we hear that and we realize that, you know what? It's more than just making a decision. Oh, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. It's more than making a decision. He says make disciples. It's pretty interesting that disciples has the similarity of the same English word we use as discipline. It's to be discipled is to be trained in a way and to walk in a path and in a pattern, to be trained in the ways of the Lord. Let me ask you today, are you becoming or being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or have you made a decision? Is there simply a launching point that many people have launched and started and they've made a decision? Just think of New Year's resolution. I decided I was going to lose weight. Somehow that decision didn't accomplish anything for me. You can decide in those moments, but the process of discipline, that this, this every decision or everything starts with a decision, but it ends with discipline. For the last six weeks, we've been looking and identifying specific aspects of a life that wins, and we looked at decisiveness in the life of Jonathan, that he, he, it began with a decision. He became decisive, but it also includes drive, and as we saw in the life of David as he defeated Goliath, there's got to be a drive and, and a deep conviction that we run with, that we don't just do things that are for, for surface reasons, but there's a deep conviction, because without a deep conviction, it'll be short-lived. You can make good decisions, but if there's not a deep-rooted conviction attached to that 
decision, it'll be short-lived. It becomes a conviction that carries us on and causes us to move further. We talked about direction as in the life of Leah when she had a this-time moment. This time I'm going to praise the Lord. Her direction was no longer to her circumstance, but looking to God and giving praise to God. We looked at dependency in the life of Jacob when he wrestled with God. He came to that point and he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And the reason he said that is because he knew the only way that he could live or the only way he would reach the purpose that God had for him was that God would bless him. And so Jacob reached that point and said, I am depending on you. I'm not letting go until you bless me. We talked as well about dreams and the be related in the life of Joseph. And, and of course, last week as Joe Jackson was here mentioning the, the dreams that we have and things that would, would stand in the way, but how we have to keep moving and pressing toward the dream. This morning, we're going to take a look at discipline, and it's found in Joshua chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 6, starting with verse 1. But as you're turning there this morning, I'm going to ask Lenana to come. And just share uh, just a, a report, an update of, of uh, Reach the City and the uh, life that wins as we wrap that up over the last six weeks. Lenana has participated in that herself, but also uh, led a point group and just wanted uh, Lenana just to share uh, just a testimony and update of what God is doing and how God has been stretching and growing in your life, the commitments and the things that God's doing in and around you. Yeah. Well, I think the greatest thing that's happened down there in the women's point group is that they are really connecting. I mean, sometimes I want to get started, and I have a hard time getting started because they're talking so much. And how many of you know that women like to talk? But Easy, not... guys. Don't. It's a trick question. Don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought you all would say amen, all you men. Anyways, the ladies like to talk, and they're connecting, but they're also learning how to go out and to connect with others. And I know for me personally, a lot of times, you know, I, I say to people, I pray, I'll pray for you. I love you. I care about you. But, you know, if we don't invest time in people and show them that we're going to take some time to connect with them and be interested in what they're interested in and to encourage them, I don't know if they really believe us. So we're going out and connecting with other people and spending time with them and loving others, and I believe that's the way we'll reach the city yeah. for the kingdom of God. And the hinge yeah. decisions in the book, I think that that has been really wonderful because I've heard a lot of ladies say that they made hinge decisions that have really changed their life. And as far as myself, at the beginning of the year, Pastor Jason um, preached a message on finances. And through the book, and I thought there's some things that God laid on my heart to make changes about finances, but I kind of just like didn't follow through with them. But in the book, when we decided to make the hinge decisions, I made a change there and really followed through with what I felt at the beginning of the year. And I'm seeing a difference, and God is leading me Mm. to make some changes there. And also in my faith to pray more and to fast more. And that's really making a decision and changing. But we've seen some differences. And it's to me, it's just like a start. We're just starting. Right. And we're just expecting this thing to go further. And the majority of the most important thing that I think the ladies are bringing out is their fear of reaching out and talking to people because they feel like they're going to stumble on their words or they're going to say something stupid, you know, or, or not really convey things, you know, the message of God the way that they should. And um, I think what we have to learn is that we've got to depend on God. That's right. And not so much in ourselves, that we have to have more faith in God 
for what that he will help us to do things. We've got to do what he told us to do and just trust him to follow through with the rest. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Lenana. Can I you, testify about Jason? I was just going to ask you about that okay. because, yeah, so I'll go ahead. Okay. Through all this, um, it was probably about six months ago. I have uh, two sons, and my oldest comes to church off and on. Jason is my younger son, and he has just really given me a time his whole life. We raised him up in church and did what we could do was right, trained him up in the way he should go. But he just was rebellious, and he got into drugs and alcohol, and um, he's 35, and this has been going on for a long time, and I've just been really praying, you know, you do everything you could do, you you preach to him, you talk to him, you even manipulate sometimes, that's not good, and God's really shown me some things there, but um, I began just trusting God and really using the word of God and quoting the scripture and saying, you know, He's trained up in the way he should go. He won't depart from it. Great will be the peace of Jason. You know, and I've been just quoting that word, and I just thank God that about, it was about six months ago, he called me one night, and he was broken and crying, and this boy wouldn't even talk to me for more than five minutes because he was convicted, and he didn't want me talking to him about Jesus. And so he was broken and crying, and he told me, he said, Mom, I have to change. If I don't change my ways, I know something bad's going to happen. So he decided to turn his life over to God, and um, he was living with a girl, and he decided to get married. I had the privilege of, of performing this ceremony and marrying my son, which was quite an honor. But he has decided to quit drinking and um, doing drugs. He went back to the bar that he frequents. He told them, he said, I'm a man of God, and I'm not going to be drinking anymore. He changed his life over, and we started uh, communication on the phone and talking, and through Reach the City, we began to um, talk on the phone, and I began to read some of the things out of the book, and he lives in Finleyville, and Finleyville needs a lot of prayer right now. There's a, a lot of drugs there, and a lot of things going on really bad, And um, he has, through what we've talked about in the book, and I'd read things and he'd say, oh, my goodness, that's so good. You know, he's decided to start reaching out to the people that have been in bondage like him, the drug addicts and alcoholics. And he calls himself a man of God, and he says that he wants to reach the city of Finleyville and make a difference in that city. And I just want you to know, just hang in there. You know, don't manipulate. Don't preach anybody to death that you're trying to, you know, and praying for, you know, use the Word of God. I think that's the biggest thing we need to do is go back to the Word of God, quote Scripture, memorize it. Mike Holt talked in the book about the Word of God and that how powerful it is and how important it is. You know, use the Scriptures, quote it in your circumstances and about your children and other people, and you will see a difference because God's Word says that His Word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which He sent it to do. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lenana, would you just, uh, you know what, I just, I want to, uh, would you lead us in prayer? And I want to pray for, maybe you have children that are not with the Lord or serving or walking with God right now, or grandchildren. And uh, can we just lift those to the Lord right now? And would you just lead us in prayer? Let's pray for those, uh, uh, this life that wins influences others. And uh, this is not only in Uniontown, but uh, uh, other areas as well. Would you lead us in prayer? Let's pray for our children. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just come before you, God. 
We pray for the children, Father. God, the children that we've raised up right, God, the children that have been trained right, God. We thank you for your word, God, that says that they are trained up in the way they should go. They'll not right. depart she from it. Oh God. God, we thank you that those that are here, that are be- that are believe on you, God, you said that if we believe on you, God, that we're saved and yeah. our household. Thank you, We Jesus. thank you for the household being saved. We break Lord, the bondages you, of addictions yes, on these God. children in the name of Jesus. We command the enemy to let go in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your word, God, that you've spoken, God, that we're speaking over them, which will not not return That's void, right. but it will accomplish that which you sent thank it you, to Jesus. do. Father, we thank you for salvation, God. We thank you, God, for healing. Thank God, you, we Lord. thank you for wisdom, God. Yeah. We thank you, God, for God, wisdom and what to indulgent. say and what not to say. God, put a guard before the doors of our our mouth, God, that we only speak that which you'd have us to say, Father. Bless the mothers, God. Lead, God, and direct. Yeah. And bless the fathers, God. Help us, Lord, in relationships. God, we thank you for the salvation of our children yes, and Lord. our children's children. And, God, we just expect to see results. We thank you for your word, yes, God. Yes, God. In Jesus' name, Jesus amen. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. We believe that all of our home to come to the Lord, that God would bring that about that is uh, definitely an excitement, and uh, thank you, Lenana, for sharing. Joshua chapter six. There might be some walls that need to be torn down in your life, in your situation. And we're going to look today about what we started, and of course, God has started something in our point groups, in in our lives, and even in our families. And our commitment in prayer is this: God, help us to walk through with discipline to not only see something start, but help us to walk into the fullness and the greater purpose that you have. Joshua chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, looking at verse 1, here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people of Jericho were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. They were afraid of the Israelites because they had heard what God had done in the Jordan River, how God had caused the rivers to part. There was a fear that came upon the people of that land, and so that's why they had had their doors shut. No one was allowed to go in. No one was allowed to go out. Verse 2, but the Lord said to Joshua, I love every time that God throws that in there in the word when it says but. Every time, I love making sure that you're on the right side of that word, that you realize that there's a, there's, there's a difference there. There's something of comparison. It says the doors were shut, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its mighty warriors. Your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the, the ram's horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the horns, have all the people give a mighty shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people can charge straight into the city. So Joshua called together all the priests and said, take up the ark of the covenant. This morning, looking at this word and in this, this picture of, uh, of Joshua as he moved forward, as he walked into the promised land that God had for him. This morning we're talking about discipline, and the title is The Do's and Don'ts of Discipline. The Do's and Don'ts of, of Discipline in Our Lives. We recognize today that discipline in our life, that if we're going to be disciplined, it is affected by both the things that we do 
and the things that we don't do. It's affected by both of those portions. We understand as well that in discipline, when we think of discipline, we, we think of the negative or the aspect of discipline, at least for me, when I think of discipline, I think of my mother. I think of her ability, her, her, her I, I don't know that it was her favorite scripture, but I know she believed in the scripture of Proverbs 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 12, that said that the Lord disciplines those he loves. My mom loved to model the love of the Lord to me that way. She made sure that I was, it was all taken care of, that, that she loved me in such a way of discipline. Now, when we think of discipline, it's easy to think of negative. I've joked this way before. I grew up in a home where my mom, I never heard my mom say, wait till your dad gets home. I grew up in the home where I said, I can't wait till dad gets home. I mean, that's the, that's the home that I grew up in. Mom took care of discipline. You know what? I thank God that I had a mom who disciplined me, a mom who spoke into my life, who set standards, who gave opportunity for me to learn. Of course, in the life of discipline, we can think of the negative side of discipline, but it's much more than the negative side. When we think of discipline, we think to, tend to think of, of discipline as, as the point of where we're corrected for doing the list of things that we shouldn't do. We get corrected for all the things that we shouldn't do. And of course, that is a part of discipline. But discipline is not just about being corrected for the things that you shouldn't do. Discipline is about developing the character and the life for the things that you should do. It's not about what you don't do or cannot do. It's more about what you can do. It's about what we can experience. For instance, it's more of what we can and not what we can. For instance, this thought here, you can't get drunk only means that you can enjoy a good time and remember it without consequences afterwards. You can't steal means only this. You can't steal means that you can live a life that is guilt-free of conscience or guilt-free conscience that doesn't cause you to be paranoid when people question you or come at you and look at you. You can also understand this as well, that you can't just sleep in anybody's bed means this, that you can enjoy the pleasures of a healthy and blessed marriage. We look in things and we say, because of what we're with God, we have a whole list of what we cannot. But I believe this, pitied are the people who live their life defined by everything they can't do. God did not call you as a believer to take on the label of all the stuff you don't do anymore. You don't come to Jesus Christ to get a list of all the stuff we don't do anymore because we're believers and because we follow Jesus Christ. In fact, the cross was not about Jesus dying so we could have a list of what we can't do. The cross was that Jesus crucified and to himself he destroyed the sin that he broke all the chains of what we cannot do so that we could live a life that because of Jesus Christ we can live a life of purity. We can live a life of of overcoming. We can live a life of freedom. That everything of before that was the cannot. How many know that before Jesus Christ and outside of the work of Jesus Christ, we are a bunch of people who cannot. Isn't that right? We can't do this. We can't accomplish this. We can't live righteous lives. We can't make good decisions. We can't live pure lives. We can't do all of those things. But when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our life, he takes no longer the the emphasis on what we can't do, but begins to transform in us and cause us to see in our life what we can do. He allowed his son to be punished on the cross and he broke the chains of all the things that cannot happen, making it possible for all the things that God is desiring to happen in our life. Discipline focuses on what God is enabling you to do and not what God is impeding you from doing. We need to understand the difference and understand the importance there. An example of this is fasting. How many understand that fasting is a spiritual, is a Christian discipline in life? That there are times and seasons that God will call us to fast and we should fast and pray. And I gotta be honest with you. 
When I go into times of prayer and fasting, steak and soda becomes my opposition. And when I'm in a season of fasting, I have to put together the right perspective that my perspective is no longer, cannot be, well, I'm fasting, I can't have soda or I can't have these things that I want. I'm fasting not for what I can't have. I'm fasting for what I can have. I can develop more of a sensitivity to the spirit of the Lord. I can in that season. My spirit man is becoming more attentive than my physical man. I'm saying to my physical man that you're not as important as my spirit man. And I'm setting things in order. And I'm putting things in a place that when I look at, it's not a list of I can't drink soda or I can't do this stuff. It's now, God, you're making it possible so that I can know you in a more intimate way. I'm looking forward to what God is making possible and not to what is hindering me or what seems to be a difficulty in my life. The more attentive we are to the things that, that, are, that, that God is enabling us to do, the easier it is or the better it is for us to live that life of discipline. We would all have to admit we don't like discipline. This uh, past winter, Jody and I went to Florida, and the place that we were staying was, not, was, was only an hour and a half away from the Pirates training camp, so we had to go. We went to the Pirates training camp, and while we were there, I, I, uh, of course, I'm a baseball fan, and, and we took a day and just spent the day there, went to the field, did the tour. They had a, a game that was going on, and so we're touring and, and uh, looking at things and seeing the, the, the facilities and the place where they work out, they train, and all the stuff that's, that goes on, and the game is going on, and, and none of, the, none of the, uh, the, the big players are playing. They're, they're all in the, the back just at a workout center. They're, they're, uh, they're doing workout. They're, they're training. And they have all the other guys that are trying to earn their position. They're on the field trying to see who's going to make the cut, who's going to be on the team. So we're walking around the field, and as we go up these flight of steps, we can see down into a, uh, a yard uh, that's uh, down below. And there, at, at the uh, outside of this building, I saw Neil Walker, who was outside jumping like crazy with a jump rope. I mean, he's doing jump rope stuff. I never knew you, were, you could do that kind of stuff. I mean, it's all crazy movement with the jump rope. And then not too far from him, there's Andrew McCutcheon, and he's sitting there with this ball in his hand that I thought was just one of those little beach balls, you know, but the way he's picking it up is a little heavier than a beach ball. And he's holding that ball over his head, and he's doing these sit-ups and all this stuff, and I'm watching him, and I've got to be honest with you, as I see this happening, I'm looking down at there, and I'm saying, man, that would really stink to have to do all that. I'm looking and I'm feeling, I'm breaking a sweat just walking in the Florida sun. And I'm looking at these guys, I'm thinking, I would not want to do that. I see work, I see struggle, I see sweat, I see a lot of heartache. Maybe not heartache, but a lot of hard work and it looks difficult. You know what they see? They see postseason. They see what we did last year. We want to go even further. They see what's in front of them. When you look at the situation in the moment, it can discourage you. But when you allow your eyes to be set on what is beyond this, that there's a prize and something greater. It causes discipline to come together in a place that makes it more advantageous for us in our lives that we make better decisions when we set our eyes on what is ahead of us. Discipline is all about training and pressing through. Have you ever felt in moments that you've hit a wall? How many have ever felt like in your faith you've hit a wall? Have you ever felt at times you're praying, you're saying, God, I don't even know if you're still here. I feel like I'm just hitting a brick wall. Have you ever felt in your relationships that you're hitting a wall? You're saying, God, I believe there can be breakthrough, there can be change, but we keep coming up against the same wall. I keep hitting my head in the same wall. It's just these moments that we hit of life circumstances and things that come along, and we feel like we keep hitting the wall. You felt it physically. You felt it emotionally. You felt it spiritually. 
You felt it relationally. How do we press through in those moments? It literally, it's one thing to decide to make things better. It's another thing to allow yourself to be disciplined to make things better. Let me give you number one this morning. Just I want to look at a couple of things today is what it, how discipline can help us in hitting or going beyond the walls that are around us. Number one, discipline sets our perspective beyond the wall. As we said already about the, those that are training, they don't look at what they're facing. They look at what's on the other side. Joshua sees the city in the text that we read. Joshua comes to the city of Jericho, and this city is in the way. It's keeping them from walking into the fulfillment and the greater purpose that God has for them. God said, I'm going to give you this land, and here in this land is an obstacle. God says in the midst of the promise I'm going to give you, there's an obstacle that is in the, in the way. There's a wall that is keeping us from being able to walk into or to take over this promise that God has had for us. The Bible says that the gates were shut up, that no one could go in and no one could come out. It was because of fear of the Israelites that there was literally a shut door. And Joshua could have looked at that. Joshua could have said, God, we're at a wall. They're not letting anybody in. They're not letting anybody out. This is going to be difficult. The doors are shut. But here's what the Bible says in verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, sometimes we have to hear the buts that God's speaking in our lives, that we hit the wall and we say, God, the walls are shut up. It feels like everything is difficult. I'm hitting this wall again, but when we say to God, we recognize that he wants us to see the other side of what is in front of us. The Lord says, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its mighty warriors. Joshua could have seen this as an opposition, but he allowed himself to see far greater than beyond what was in front of him in this wall. You live your life according to the wall. You'll always stop short of what God has for you. There's some of you today, you're making decisions because of the wall that's in front of you. You see walls that are in front of you, and you're making decisions that are not God-fearing and God-believing. You're making decisions that are self-settling because you see an opposition. I can't see any other way. There's no other opportunity. There's nothing I can do. This is what I'm limited in. And you allow yourself to make decisions on your limitation rather than allow God to build your faith on his unlimited power, on what he is able to do beyond what you can see. And sometimes we're throwing in the towel long before God has ever said it's time to quit. We're throwing in the towel on things and, and not believing because we're living in the moment of what we see. We're hitting that wall that's in front of us, but we've got to ask God to allow us to see beyond. Here's why, how I believe Joshua was able to see more. Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 33. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The key verse will be on the screen this morning. But Exodus 33, here's how God caused Joshua to learn to see beyond the wall. Exodus 33 verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Exodus 33, verse 7. Everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Here is the picture. There's the presence of the Lord that Moses has now it has come to the tent of meeting, the place of worship. And the people of the tribes would all stand and they watched from their tents. And they began to worship from where they were. And they would watch what was taking place. The Bible says that Moses, verse 9, as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at the entrance. And the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents. 
Verse 11, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Think about this. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. Here's another but. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Here's what I get a picture, or not just a picture. Here's what's taking place, that Joshua would go to the place that Moses would be in the presence of the Lord. And when Moses was done his business, when he made an appeal to God on behalf of the people, and he made the worship, the sacrifice, the Bible says that Moses, when he was finished, he would return to the people. But Joshua just cozied up and said, I'm staying here a little longer. I'm staying in this presence a little longer and there's sometimes you've got to make a decision and here let me say this as a pastor don't wait for the pastor to call you into the presence of God let the call of God in your heart draw you to a greater desire a greater yearning a greater deepening don't ever say there's not anything here for me if there's not a hunger in your heart to say God everybody's left the building but I'm going to stay a little longer there's nobody else praying right now but I'm going to hang out a little longer in your presence because there's too much of our lives in our discipline we're waiting for something someone else to do it we're waiting for someone else to start it hey it's cold in here would you start a fire no offense but why don't you start your own fire why don't you get into the presence of God why don't you seek God on behalf of your of your family why don't you allow God listen I'm not at all taking this thing that we're passing the buck or making it someone no I'm saying because of this privilege we have we can hang out in the presence of God whenever we want I remember as a teenager, the best place that I met with God was in my bedroom. I lived on the upstairs floor of the, our home in Littlestown, and there was a dormer. And that dormer was my spot. I'd kneel right there at that dormer. I could watch right out the window, and I could see nothing but the sky. And I'd just sit at that window at that dormer, and I would just pray. And there were times the Holy Spirit would meet me. And the Holy Spirit would show up as I was a teenager. The Holy Spirit would just begin to show me things and, and just speak to my heart and call me and just do things in my life. You know what? I pray to God, Lord, help me keep hanging out at the dormer. Let there be that place I can't ever get enough of, that presence and being in that place with God. Spend time in God's presence and you'll find strength for life's pressures. Spend time in God's presence and you'll find strength for life's pressures. There's an outline that's provided, and some of, some of you may have read it in the, the book, but we've heard it before, and, and maybe you're, you're familiar with it, but this encouragement of how to spend time with God, this acronym of SOAP, that when you spend time with God, this encouragement to involve these things, it's just as you cleanse yourself in the morning, as you take a shower, the Bible says that there's a washing of the word that occurs in our lives, and we allow that to be a washing. And here, this soap, this spending time with God, number one, the S is scripture, getting scripture. It might be one verse, it might be a chapter, might be whatever it is, but as you read that, spend time and read the scripture. The O then, observation, look in there and see what jumps out, what's standing out in that scripture. The other, the A then, application, looking at how does this apply to your life? What you've observed in this scripture, how does that apply to where you are today? And then prayer, asking God to cause you and to empower you, to help you to walk in that purpose and to walk in what it is that he's showing you. That when we become people who spend time in the presence of God, it will cause us to have a change in our perspective. We'll begin to see things different. When you see the wall, here's, here's the encouragement of this. When you see the wall that's in front of you, wave your hand at me if you've ever felt like you've hit a wall. Raise your hand. Good. We've got honest people in the room. Even after serving Jesus for some of you all your life, you've still hit walls. 
Don't ever think you'll reach moments where there are no more walls. The only place that there are no more walls is when you're in heaven because you are now completely as God has called you to be. But until then, he's using walls to help you climb. He's using walls to help you grow up. He's using walls to help you become the person that he's called you to be. But here's what we do when we hit that wall. We come to that wall. We don't bang our head on the wall and say, I can't take this anymore. We step back and we lift our hands to heaven and we say, God, I thank you that in the midst of this place, in the midst of where I am, your presence is here. I thank you, God, that you are greater than this wall that's in front of you. You begin to worship. In fact, I believe it'd be appropriate right now that you just begin to worship right now in this room. Would you just begin to worship the Lord? Would you just begin to say, God, I thank you that this season that I'm in right now, you know where I am. You're walking with me. You're causing me to have the right perspective today. Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for me that you will give me the peace and the grace that you'll cause me to overcome whatever this is god give us perspective in jesus name amen lord thank you for your perspective thank you for your presence when you begin to worship it says worship begins to lift you above that circumstance and you begin to not only see the wall worship takes you and you begin to see what's in the wall that god has for you you begin to see what god's preparing for you you begin to set sight on what god's making possible what doors god's getting ready to open yeah there's still a wall but you got to look beyond the wall and see there's something great that he's preparing for your life that he's developing number two if we're going to have that discipline or we're going to reach through the walls number two discipline causes us to press through you say well what's so different about that It's this simple fact and reality that when you feel like you hit a wall, you feel tempted to give up, that's a sure sign that you better keep on going. When you feel like giving up is the moment you better keep on going. Mike Nicklow and uh, there was five of us from the church here that a couple uh, back in April, we carried the cross, a 10-foot cross from Jockey Hollow, and we carried it 23 miles to Marshall Park. And as we were carrying it, we were on the way down the summit and coming down the summit, it was Mike Nicklow and I, and I said to Mike, I said, Mike, we're on our way down the summit. I said, here's the reality, buddy. I said, we've taken this cross a long way. So if we stop here, I said, that's not bad. We came a long way. I said, if we stop right here, this is, this is not too bad. We've, we've come a long way already. Mike's walking. He's coming along, and he's, I think he's holding the cross at that time. And as he's walking, he says something. He says, great things don't happen because people start something. He said, great things happen because people finish what they started. Boom! I mean, just write that one down and just make that a part of your life. I mean, think about that this morning. Great things don't happen because people start something. Great things happen because people finish what they started, that there's this completion. And when he said that, there was something in my spirit that said, that's from the Lord. We're going to move. We're going to keep this going. This thing is not stopping anywhere short of Marshall Park. It is going all the way. We're making it the whole way through. And in fact, we had come to this place and we thought we need to stop for a little bit. We're tired. Frank, God bless him. He was helping us and Frank was carrying some and Frank was following with the uh, church van and Frank had parked off to the summit uh, on the, the, uh, the side heading up the summit. Frank was parked over there. And so we're walking down the same side. And we thought, let's take a break and let's just sit in the van and just take a break. It was raining. The rain was cold. It was an honorable, miserable experience. I I try and make sense that I can't. It was miserable. It was not this, woohoo, but yet in our spirit, it was, this is awesome. The rain's beating on us. We're tired. We get into the van. We take a break. About five minutes later, we get out of the van. We shouldn't have done that. I felt worse getting out of the van than I did when I went in. 
Sometimes there's moments that you feel like you got to stop. You feel like I need a break. Sometimes or when you feel like you need to give up, that's a sure indication that you better press on because the Bible says this, that when you're tempted to stop, you're supposed to flee the temptation. And so when a temptation comes in, it says, I've got to give up at this point. I've got to stop at this point. It's a very sure sign that that's when you've got to keep going. That's when you've got to press on, not stopping in that situation in that time, but allowing yourself to press through whatever that moment is. Joshua was told by God, he said, march around the wall. Listen to this. He said, one time for six days, and on the seventh day, march seven times. You do the math there. They were told in a matter of seven days to march 13 times around. You know there was somebody in the crowd that said, hey, we've been doing this for four days already. Isn't this enough? There had to be somebody in the crowd that said, we're doing the same thing we're doing Three days ago, and the wall is still there. Have you ever felt like, God, I'm doing the same stuff, I'm trying, and the wall's still there, and you keep walking in circles. You're just that place. You're saying, God, nothing seems to be happening. Somebody along the way, even on the seventh day, could have said, we've already walked around this wall six times. Now we're going to go around seven times? You know, I think this is a stupid idea. I think we need another leader. I think we ought to... I don't think this is really a smart idea. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, there, could have, there had to be somebody who started just some bit of word that said, you know what, I'm not so sure about this. And that could have gotten to someone else and then someone else. But somewhere there was somebody who's put a stop to that and said, no, we can't stop short. We got to keep going. I don't know how this is going to all, when it's going to exactly happen. I don't know this, but we can't stop in the middle of this. And sometimes we can hit the life's moments and we can feel like we need to give up or feel like we need to stop. But the moment you stop is the moment that you settle on the wrong side of the promised land. The moment you stop is the moment you settle on the wrong side of the promised land. Like these tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Some of you, I have no idea what you just said. These are tribes of, of the 12, part of the 12 tribes of Israel. But Reuben and Gad, along with the half-tribe of, of Manasseh, they said to Moses, they said on this side of the Jordan, they said, Moses, we like the land here. We're just gonna stay right here. And Moses said, all right, you can stay there, but you still gotta come across and fight with us. And so they stayed on that side of the Jordan. And sometimes you can come in life's moments and you can say, God, this is far enough and miss out on the fulfillment and the greater purpose that God has for you. Oh yeah, you'll make it to heaven. Oh yeah, you'll be, in the, you'll be accounted. Oh yeah, you'll be in the land. But you're not gonna walk into the promise of what God has called your life to be a part of because somewhere along the line, you stop short. Somewhere along the line, you said this is good enough. Somewhere along the line, you said this is, this is enough. I'll stop at this moment. Discipline is an indication of your character. Will you allow God to develop you all the way or halfway? Discipline is an indication of your character. Will you allow God to continue to develop you and to make you that, that purpose that he has? Let me ask you this morning, what wall are you circling and you just gotta keep on moving? What place or what place have you settled and called good enough either in your prayer life, your time with God, your relationships, your involvement in, in ministry? your attendance to church, your walk with God, whatever it is, you've said this is good enough. That's enough. Let me give you number three as the worship team comes this morning. Number three, discipline sets an exact time for the wall to collapse. The Lord gives Joshua a command. He says, march around the wall for seven days with seven priests. And on the seventh time of the seventh day, the walls will fall. Did you notice all the sevens? 
seven times on the seventh day. You see, when you walk in discipline, it sets an exact time for the wall that you're circling to collapse. On the seventh day, or the seventh time, on the seventh day with seven priests carrying trumpets. You see, the number seven is a number of perfection or maturity. The number seven is perfection or maturity. When I allow myself to be disciplined to walk around whatever God has me to walk around, I don't know when exactly the wall's going to fall, but I know it's going to fall at just the right time that God's perfected his work inside of me. God cares about your character more than he cares about your triumph. Your triumph is not the obstacle you're facing. Your triumph is the sinful man that you're fighting. Catch that this morning. Your obstacle is not the outward fight that you're facing. It's the inward man that still needs to die. Sometimes you got to circle things. And keep going because at just the right time, on that seventh time, I don't know what that seventh time is for you, but on that number of perfection, on that number of maturity, God is bringing you to a place that at just the right time, God doesn't keep time the way you and I keep time. We keep time with our clock and we say these many hours, these many minutes, this many, well, all this, we can add it up. God says to God, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. God doesn't keep time according to the schedule, but God keeps time according to the maturity and the process of what he's bringing to you at just the right time. The Bible says this in Galatians, not to give up. Don't quit doing good because at just the right time, that doing good is that discipline, doing what we know we need to do, carrying out the word of God because he's going to bring us to that place at just the right time. Here's what Joshua said. In Joshua chapter 6, it says Joshua called together the priests and he said, take up the ark. He had the word from God. God said, I want you to walk around the city six times for six days and on this earth, one time for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk seven times and I'm going to cause the wall to fall down. Joshua gets up. He puts his shoes back on because the Lord told him to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground. And when he put his shoes back on, he said to the priest, he said, take up the ark. Let me ask you this morning, God's saying to you today, take it up. There's some things you've let go of. There's some things you've put down. There's some things that you've dropped and God says, pick it up. Take it up. Take it up today. That commitment you've had, that commitment, pick it up. Don't leave it where it's been. Pick it up today. Let God renew something in your life and make new in you something that he wants to accomplish. I don't like discipline, but I sure like the effects of discipline. I don't like being disciplined, but I sure love what discipline produces in my life when I allow God to discipline me and not living this life of a whole list of what I can't do, but a whole list of what God is preparing me so that I can do. We've got to look beyond the wall. We've got to press through when we feel like giving up. And we've got to know that with discipline, God's bringing us to that right time. I don't know, you might be on your last time around the wall. You might be on your last time around this wall that you've been running into. Don't try and figure out when the wall's going to fall. Just make sure you set your heart and say, God, I'm going to keep trusting you every step of the way. Because can I tell you, the quicker you learn to trust God every step of the way, the quicker the wall will fall down. The quicker you learn to trust God every step of the way, the quicker the wall will fall down. But the more you look at trying to see when the wall's going to fall down, it feels like it's going to last forever. But when you just say, God, I'm not worried about when the wall's going to fall. I'm just worried about making sure I take every step with you. You're here this morning, you say, today, 
you're facing a wall and you just you just need to trust God and say, God, I need to just trust you to walk through and walk in faith that you're going to bring this wall down. If that's you today, just raise your hand to God. And say, I'm, 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 walking a, I'm walking against the wall. I need God to give me victory. Can we just stand all across this room? Would you just lift your hands to the Lord today? Just sing this song with us today before we leave, just the chorus. Whatever that wall is, just surrender that to God right now. cancer, God is causing it to fall. It's going to collapse. You keep walking in faith. You keep circling that wall. You keep walking in faith, believing, trusting that God's going to bring restoration. Lord, this morning, we know that you are the God of restoration, that you restore broken hearts and you restore lives. God, there's a work that you do immediately. And God, there's also a work that you do progressively. And God, that discipline in us is a progressive development. Help us, oh God, to walk in the disciplines of your word and of your ways. God, teach us your ways. Teach us to walk according to your your purpose so that, God, your purpose might be accomplished in us for your glory. Father, help us not grow weary in doing good because at the right time, on that seventh time around, we're going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, Lord, I pray that you would make us strong. Make us courageous. As you said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. For today I've given you the land. So, Father, help us to be the same, that we be strong and courageous, allowing your disciplines to be developed in us. I pray your blessing upon each person today. That, God, as we go, that, Lord, we would be in your presence. That, God, your presence would go with us. And Lord, that you would help us to grow in our maturity and our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. If you need prayer, as always, we invite you to come. There's a prayer team that will pray with you. But be blessed today as you go with the Lord. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week on Pentecost Sunday as we celebrate together. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.